You're listening to the Canadian Investor Protection Fund podcast channel. Here we connect with industry leaders and experts in the financial sector. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the CIPF podcast series on leadership. I'm Roseanne Rizel, President and CEO of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund, or CIPF. It is my pleasure today to be your host. Our topic is leading during transformative times. Today we have with us Debbie Doucette, President and CEO of Odlum Brown Limited, a full-service investment firm based in Vancouver, British Columbia. Debbie's steadfast leadership has guided Odlum Brown through this pandemic, as well as through past times of instability and periods of upheaval. In 2007, Debbie became the first female leader in the firm's then 84-year history after serving as Chief Operating Officer for seven years. Debbie has an impressive career spanning over 35 years in the investment industry. Recently, in 2021, Debbie was elected to the Board of Directors of IROP, the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada, and Debbie has served as past director and chair of CIPF. Welcome, Debbie. It's wonderful to have you on this podcast. Thanks, Roseanne. It's, it's wonderful to be here. In our discussion today, we'll explore lessons that have been learned on the leadership front during the COVID-19 pandemic and what is ahead for the industry. After considering some of the unique features of this pandemic and some of the more challenging aspects from a leadership perspective, our discussion will turn to what new trends have emerged for investment firms, advisors, and investors. Let's begin with a little bit of your background, Debbie, for our listeners. Would you describe your professional experience and your principal areas of focus as president and CEO of Odlum Brown Limited? Well, my professional experience largely has been at Odlum for the past 30 plus years. You know, I started out here on the trading desk, running the trading desk, and I've sort of moved through various roles in the firm. Um, ultimately becoming CEO. I think my primary role, obviously, is leading and executing on the strategic plan for the firm. And and the other thing I, I take really seriously is that I, I feel very much I'm the keeper and representative of the firm. And I really try to align the things that I do to be accretive to that brand. But really simply, you know, when I think about what I do, And I don't mean this to sound flippant, but I always think, you know, the assets of the firm go out the door every single night, whether that's people, clients, whatever it is, they go out the door. And it's my job to make sure that they all come back in the following morning. And I take that very seriously. (laughs) But, you know, it's I don't mean to oversimplify it, but really, that's the truth of it. Right. And it, it means that on any given day, those responsibilities shift and change and you do whatever you have to do to make sure that those assets, all of them, continue to stay at the firm. No, Thank you. That's very insightful, because I think sometimes we forget about the incredibly important people aspect of the business and financial services. I agree. You know, I've I've said many times, and I know we've talked about this before, I I really fundamentally believe that, you know, obviously, this is, Odlin Brown is an investment firm, but really, what we do here is build relationships. And um, the investment business at its core, I, I believe, is a relationship business. And 
That's relationships with clients, with your colleagues, um, with your external providers. It's all about building and nurturing those relationships. Now that we can hopefully see most of the pandemic behind us, fingers crossed, as a leader, what are some of the unique features of the last two years that really stand out for you as compared to past times of great change? I don't think in my career I've ever been through something that's been so all-encompassing both professionally and personally. And, and I think every single person on the planet would say that. It's just been one of those times where the crisis or the challenges, I suppose, are just everywhere you look. You know, when I think back to the financial crisis of 08, that was a really difficult time, but it didn't affect virtually every aspect of our lives. For some of us, it may have felt like it did, but it was a it was more compartmentalized. And this, I think, was, well, it was just so all-encompassing. Um, it was tough. Um, you know, there's that great saying, I think it was uh, FDR said, nothing to fear but fear itself. But there was a lot of fear just everywhere you looked, and, and I had never kind of had to deal with that before. So for me, I found that, you know, a, a different way of looking at things and trying to find ways to break that fear down into smaller pieces so that you could address it in smaller bites because there wasn't a problem to solve, actually. You know, it, it's a very difficult time. No question that things that impact everyone's health potentially are unforeseen, I think as you say, never been experienced before. And everyone has like a, you know, a different, um, everyone was on a different place on what I call that continuum of COVID. You know, on a scale to, of one to 10, you know, with one being not too concerned and 10 being really, really stressed, everyone was in a different place. And I think for all of us that were leading organizations, it was, trying to find a way to meet people where they were on the path and bring them along. And that was, you know, it, it was no easy feat, particularly when you're trying to manage your own emotions at the same time. So, um, you know, for me, I just tried to focus on that the best way out of something is through it. But gosh, that tunnel seemed long at times. <laughs> Debbie, for yourself as a leader, did you find the support that you needed during this time? Yeah, I mean, I, I had wonderful support from my family and from my partners. You know, just having somebody to go home and, and, and talk to was really, I think, so important. I, I was really fortunate. I actually was in the office during all of COVID. Um, we had a small group of people working here on certain things that were just too difficult to do from home. And so I came in and at the time, at the beginning, you know, it was very stressful, but as time went on, I, I was actually pretty grateful to be able to come here because for me, I still had that normality of my routine. And so coming into work was actually pretty helpful and I could I could leave the office and, and try to at least on my drive home, which was pretty quick because there was no traffic, um, to sort of try and leave that part of it behind and move on to the personal side of it. So that, that was really helpful. 
I will say though, you know, I just recently, I went on holidays uh, with my husband for a week or 10 days. The first time I'd actually been away since the lockdown and where we went was somewhere where COVID's not really, it's just not top of mind and, and not really discussed, not like here in Canada. And I was actually kind of surprised at the relief that I felt just to kind of let it go for a bit. And I, I didn't really realize how stressful it really was until it wasn't kind of in, in front of me all the time. I think the transition to in-person events is something that, you know, some people are sort of inching towards and others are embracing. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I went to my first big event about three weeks ago here in Vancouver. There was about 700 people for a board of trade event. And um, it was a little odd and um, well, more than a little odd. But um, one of the speakers at the event was actually a provincial health officer. And, and she got up and said, it feels kind of strange to be around all these people. And I sort of laughed and thought, well, if you feel it, <laughs> I guess it's okay. <laughs> That's validation for sure. Yeah, exactly. It's just been a strange time. I'd like to mention for our listeners at this point that during 2021, you were appointed to the Order of British Columbia, the province's highest honour. And this is by no means your first honour. In 2019, you were recognised by BC Business Magazine as one of the province's most influential women in the Trailblazers category for your work in promoting gender equity in finance. You were awarded Queen Elizabeth II's Diamond Jubilee Medal by the Governor General in 2012 for your philanthropic work. I think our listeners would be very interested in hearing how you've used your leadership experience in the finance industry for the benefit of other organizations or individuals. Can you reflect on some of the contributions you've made that have led to these well-deserved honors? Well, uh, thank you for that. I, I sometimes hear that and I think, who is that person? Because I don't think it's me. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I grew up in a household where my parents were really big believers and advocates for community service. And, and they understood and practiced the concept of, you know, giving back and paying it forward. So I've always had, I think, really great role models for that from a, an early age. I think for me, too, I'm just a naturally very curious person. You know, I'm, I'm the person that kind of sits at the light and see someone with challenges moving across the street. And I always wonder, like, what's their story? And I think it's that curiosity that's kind of made me pull on strings to learn more about those stories and sort of discover ways that perhaps I could make a small difference in those stories. You know, it could be time or it could be treasure or expertise. You know, but whatever it is, I think ultimately I benefit from learning more about my community and my responsibility as a member of that community. And I, I think that for me, that that's, if I had to describe my leadership, it would be just even in my own firm or in the industry that I'm in, it's not that different. It's that, you know, I'm always curious about things and I'm always like, well, why is that like that? And, you know, how can we improve that process? How can we make that better? So I've always tried to kind of, like I say, pull on those strings. And I've learned so much from doing that. 
So for me, it was never really about an end game. It was just my curiosity, you know, and if anything, sometimes I've had to learn how to curb that curiosity because there's only so many strings you can pull in a day. And I think some of my team here at, at Audlem would say, oh my gosh, there she goes again. You know, it's just been a wonderful experience learning about the community I live in and, and all of the amazing things that go on that we don't visibly see, but that matter so much to the quality of life that many of us enjoy and who some of us should be able to enjoy. My goodness. Well, congratulations, Debbie. Your work for the betterment of the community has been outstanding. Looking forward now in terms of financial services, I'm sure our listeners would be interested to hear what trends you see developing in the investment industry for firms, advisors, or investors. It's an interesting time in the industry. And, you know, it's interesting. It certainly is changing. I think, you know, certainly in the last, I'd say, 20 years, we've seen a move or a shift towards what I would call kind of more holistic financial well-being, as opposed to kind of thinking about your financial circumstances in terms of your banking relationship and your investments and your insurance. And they're, they were, they're sort of siloed things and you had different people dealing with different pieces. Clients more and more are wanting that more holistic, broader view. And it's about what their goals are, but it's not just their goals for retirement. It's their goals for every stage of life. And I think people are just much more aware of that. I think certainly, you know, technology and the internet has given people um, a much broader window into what's available and what they should be thinking about. And certainly we're seeing that in their expectations of their financial situation. Certainly they want more, clients want more information and they want to be a partner in that journey as opposed to someone who just receives some advice and and kind of moves on. So that's certainly changing. What isn't changing though is that relationship piece. That's always been there. And I think if if you can get that right um, and it's about building trust and listening to what your clients really want because Clients, just because they're at a certain stage in life doesn't mean that their requirements are homogeneous. And and you only can know that by building those relationships. So I don't think that's changing. I just think how we're going to deliver on that relationship is changing. That's interesting. And I wonder, with respect to our younger people, the millennials who we associate so strongly with technology, how do you see their relationship with the industry? Well, I, I think they want, um, they certainly want to be able to interact in a more digital fashion. You know, they, they want to be able to do pretty much everything they do from their cell phone, which I understand. And I think it'll be interesting, though, you know, that that generation has grown up with actually pretty good markets. And, you know, I always say that, uh, in bad markets where, you know, people in our industry where we really earn our keep, 
And it's then where that relationship really starts to pay off. I wonder if we do move into um, a recession or much less buoyant markets, if people will find that that chat or that conversation with somebody is actually more important than just connecting via email. I don't know, but I thought a lot about that. And, you know, I thought, I thought a lot about that in, um, during COVID in that I think one of the challenges was is that, you know, when times are tough, it's when you can look somebody in the eye, like really look them in the eye and say, and, or maybe put your hand on their shoulder and say, like, it's going to be okay. We couldn't do that during COVID. Mm, hard to reach through that screen. Exactly. And, and certainly Zoom and all of those things, you know, enabled us to have that contact, but it's still not the same. And I do think that that personal contact has value. I do think that personal contact is important. And what will be interesting is how this, or my industry, evolves and where the balance becomes between digital and personal. And, and I, I suspect that we haven't found that yet. Well, certainly many interesting times ahead. I took three takeaways, and there were so many more, but the three that uh, struck me were your first comment about the importance of people and relationships, whether relationships with clients or with your colleagues. And I think that is very much at the center of your focus and, and your leadership. The second one that struck me, though, about your leadership style was your comment about curiosity and continuous learning. I think that's so admirable in somebody that leads a firm, the fact that you're still looking to learn more. And the third was, as you've observed, the need that our clients seem to have today for a more holistic approach to their financial well-being as opposed to the more sort of siloed traditional approach of finance and insurance and so on. Debbie, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today and thank you for joining me on this podcast and offering your valuable insights to our listeners. Thank you, Roseanne. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. It's always fun to talk about our business, and uh, I really enjoy our, our time together. Thank you. And that concludes today's podcast. I would also like to thank our listeners for their time and hope they found this discussion interesting. We always welcome your comments. The best way to reach us is through our website. Finally, we invite you to listen to CIPF's other podcasts available on CIPF's website and podcast channels, or to read the transcripts, which are available in both English and French on our website. I'm Roseanne Rizal. Thank you for joining us, and goodbye for now. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media to stay up to date on all CIPF podcasts. More information about the speakers and what we discussed today can be found in the show notes. Please note that this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to constitute advice of any kind. Thank you for listening.